All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It's February 21st, 2020. We are that much closer to spring, my friends. Oh, yes. It feels so good outside. Balmy 10 degrees, the sun is, is shining, it 10 now? and the snow pile in the parking lot is ever getting bigger. Our listeners are probably like, can you four just stop talking about the weather every week? That's what week? we do in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. But we got Carter here, we got Ann here, we got Emma the intern. Emma, say hello. 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 Oh, man. I'm excited. We're gearing up. We're going to Palm Springs next week, though. Yes. And you pretty it's, pumped? Uh, absolutely. Going to go to E-Tail West. It's going to be amazing. So there's actually a lot of really great speakers I'm looking forward to. So we're recording a lot of great interviews, um, and then the content should be great as well. I hope so. And Mr. and Mrs. OmniTalk are joining us after the festivities for a little fun in the sun that as well. That makes it sound like they're together. That does. It's weird. Yeah. I thought of that actually, like, because I always call, you know, her Mrs. Omni Talk. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what do you call your? It's Mr. Omni Talk. Right? And I'm babysitting all the kids. So yeah, they're all going to be here and we're just going to live here in Third House. It's going to be really fun. Yes. All bundled up it's and gonna cozy. Be, it's going to be our own little, like, uh, Gen Xer hype house. Exactly. So we're going to be TikToking everything. It's going to be amazing. For those watching on TV, I'm raising the roof. <laughs> oh raising the roof. Gosh. All right. Well, hey, we got an awesome show today. On TV. They're yeah, watching on TV. On TV. Yes. Awesome. Cable. They're watching Still cable. TV, right? <laughs> Public yes, access. Right. All right. right, right. On their smart TV. Uh, I think we got an awesome show this week. I thought we had one of our best shows ever last week. I'm just going to kind of congratulate ourselves there. I thought I was really proud Are of you? what it was. Yeah, no, Thanks. I was really proud of it. We got a lot of good feedback. I thought we really went in depth on some really important topics that deserve some exploration. So hopefully we can try to bring that to you again this week. Give you a lay of the land. We're going to talk a little Walmart. We're going to talk some Bed Bath and Beyond. Maybe go into the Beyond even I don't more. Know if, I don't know if we're going to have enough time. <laughs> we might not. <laughs> Good reference, Frank the Tank. Pier One is going to hit the list. Then, of course, we have to talk about Amazon. And then last but not least, we've got a fun story out of Ikea that I think is going to be a really cool one to talk about and see what all of our takes are on that. But first, we've got to give a shout out to our sponsors. I notice I said sponsors. Oh, I did. You did, Ann. I, I caught it. It was plural. Let's hear about it, Chris. All right. First off, of course, we've got Trigo. Trigo is developing the most advanced AI and computer vision-based checkout-free system for the grocery industry. Using standard cameras and proprietary algorithms, Trigo converts real-size stores, introducing a frictionless shopping experience. Together with Tesco, Trigo is currently piloting the world's largest checkout-free store. To learn more, visit www.trigo.tech. And then I'm also excited to announce our second sponsor. And our second sponsor is Insignia Systems. We are partnering with Insignia Systems for what they have planned for the upcoming Expo West show. Now, for those unfamiliar, Insignia is a leader in in in-store and mobile marketing. Forward-looking and nimble, Insignia pushes the boundaries for others to follow. With a suite of tactics, including signage, merchandising, display, and mobile, Insignia is the right partner to attract new shoppers and grow your business. Insignia, be discovered. Now, I'm pumped. What Insignia is doing is super cool. Yeah. So at Expo West, they're holding this contest. They were talking to me about it, and I was like, we have to be involved in this. They're holding a contest where if you're a new brand attending Expo West, you have the chance to win $100,000 in free mobile advertising from That's Insignia. Huge. 
That is crazy. I mean, you guys are in marketing, Carter. Like, what do you? That's that's insane. It's a huge thing, especially for startups, especially for new companies looking to really get out there. A hundred thousand dollars worth of services is absolutely amazing. I'm super excited to see uh, the brands that are pitching, and then I know there's other exciting things that come along with the package, right? Yeah, this part is super cool. So first of all, like signing up's really easy. Just go to insigniasystems.com or follow Insignia on LinkedIn or Instagram. The handle is at Insignia Systems. Now this is important. There's only a week. All entries must be submitted by February 28th by 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. From there, five finalists will be selected to pitch their brands live to a panel of judges on March 5th at the show in Anaheim. And the winner, after it's all over, will be interviewed by Ann and I as part of one of our OmniTalk Spotlight Series podcast. I cannot wait to see who we're interviewing. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is a huge thing for those startup brands. So um, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. And it's a space I've been wanting to get into more and we get, Mm -hmm. we've got a good following there already. So it's going to be exciting. All right. Well, let's get to the top headlines. Super exciting news this week for us here at OmniTalk, but let's get to the first headlines and you have the honors. Uh, We also have an announcement on the phone number dial-in that we're adding for OmniTalk. Is that correct? Can I get your number? Oh, yeah. Let's get those digits. OmniTalk listeners, we are doing something new. We have opened up a phone line so that you can submit your questions and comments via text or phone by leaving us a message. The new phone number to call OmniTalk and we will play the recordings live on the show is 612-208-9299. Once again, that's 612-208-9299. And we will be taking your questions and comments on OmniTalk live on the show. Shout out to the Minneapolis digits there too. I, like yeah, I was going to say the, the 612 area code. Yeah. We didn't mess around. The 612. We do not mess coolest, around. Coolest thing, 24-7. You guys can call in whenever you want, text in whenever you want, questions, comments, feedback on the show, topic ideas, whatever that might be. Give us a call. Send us a text. We'll get back to you as yes. soon as we can. Uh, we cannot wait to play these back and talk uh, about those conversations here live. Yeah, and this is an homage to Carl Boutet. So thanks for that recommendation. Yes. What do we miss each week? Can't wait to hear what your thoughts are. We'll share them on. We'll share them on the show each each week to start things off. Like last week, for example, uh, Jason. Jason, you know who you are, and I know you're a loyal listener. But uh, Jason pointed out that we missed the fact that Peapod was pulling out of the Midwest last Ooh, week, and he yes. was exactly right. We talked about that story. It didn't make our cut, but it's an important story. And in fact, there's so much activity happening in that last mile space. It's funny how this happens to people. Bring that up, and then I yeah. get about 16 other things. And one thing I learned last week actually was just. You know, not every order is created equal. For example, like picking up as a crowdsourced delivery driver a Chipotle burrito is very different than picking up a hundred dollar grocery order. <laughs> yes, and I I've, would say and so. I've never thought about that before yeah. in terms of the time it takes to collect the order, how long the drivers may need to be waiting, what the complexities are at the delivery, and yet for the most part, people are kind of treating that the same. Yeah. So there's still a lot that needs to evolve in that space, and had. These topics not all been raised last week, starting with Jason and then some other conversations, it wouldn't happen. So please share your thoughts with us. Exciting stuff here. All right. And now, now let's I will kick get this off. To so story. much to get to today. Now we will get to story number one. Story number one is an announcement from Walmart um, coming from Reuters. Walmart on Tuesday uh, announced that they are forecasting online sales growth to slow this year. Um, it was it, It's set to grow about 30%. Uh, in 2021, down from last year's 37%. So 
Uh, Walmart also announced that you know they they saw a 35% increase in online sales over the holiday, which was the slowest in nearly two years. Uh, the sales at Walmart U.S. stores uh, opened last year rose by a weaker than expected 1.9%. Uh, that doesn't include fuel, but <laughs> in the fourth quarter um, that ended on January 31st. So weak holiday for toys and clothes. Walmart saying that, you know, this the grocery operation is really what they're going to lean on. John Ferner came out this past week saying, you know, people are buying more expensive meats and organic produce and that they're really putting all their money on that. And Shlomo, Dirty Lemon, is now available. Shout out to Shlomo, who is uh, feuding back and forth with Chris and I about, or I should I say Chris, or me, about uh, Dirty yeah. Dirty Lemon going into Walmart. Carter and I but, were on his side. But yeah, um, so that's the, that's the announcement coming out of Walmart this week, you guys. Thoughts? I, I think ultimately slowing online growth, it, it is what it is. I think it's a, a telltale sign for what is coming in the future. When we look at things like grocery delivery, the other types of innovation, I think they're going to see huge, uh, I use the word again, but innovative growth for some of those big type of consumer experience accelerators or consumer experience differentiators. Um, and I think that's where they're going to continue to see their growth. I think that's where we'll also continue to see innovation. Chris, to your point, uh, when you look at home delivery and things like that, groceries just the start. What other services can they offer that would fundamentally transform a customer's relationship with the brand? And I think the dot-com is an important part, but it's not necessarily the key driver and what's going to put Walmart into the future. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a there's a part of me. There's a, I don't want to be too chicken little on this, but this story is a little alarming to me. Um, Why? And and you know, I feel like you know we've been talking about certain certain things for a while. Um, you know, and some of the things we've written about Brandless and Macy's have come true, and some of the stuff we wrote about Walmart, if we go back, might be coming true too. I'm I'm a little concerned there. I, you know, Walmart was on a good trajectory, but this is a slowdown. And if you look at the numbers, if if your online sales are up 35, percent they said that contributed 210 basis points of growth in their overall comp, but their overall comp was only 1.9%. That means less and less people are coming to stores, okay? That means traffic is still an issue. Yes, you might be building a business in online grocery and whatnot, but at the end of the day, the other categories are still going the way of e-commerce or people aren't shopping them as much in general. And there's a lot of schools for thought on that. Bloomberg has a good article, Matt Boyle this week on it too. So it's hard to say, like if you're going to be losing that category of business, that's great. You can grow grocery. But I said this in an article earlier too. It's just a bilge pump for the time being. And by the way, that's going to get more competitive. The other grocers are going to go after that. Amazon Go is opening their new stores. I'm sorry. Amazon is opening their new new grocery store. You've got Amazon Go. It's being a convenience stores are getting better at that game too for the convenience trip. It could all just go away pretty easily. And so I worry about this because... It could be the canary in the coal mine, say, a year from now, that things could get really challenging. Some of the other things we're talked about, like the rising wage rates and things like that. So Walmart has to find a way to get innovative beyond just this online grocery space, or I think these numbers could get worse and worse. Yeah, they got to leverage the the stores. I mean, I think that's where, to me, if you know what the promise that I do see and where they're putting their efforts is you know, expanding drive up and online ordering. You're right. It's the space is going to get more competitive, but I think that they're doing the right thing and focusing on, you know, the 3,600 of their stores that are already offering this and kind of trying to figure out what supplementary things. Yes. I know we like laugh at dirty lemon, but (laughs) there's some things that could be bringing people in. And as Mm -hmm. they're trying to capture more of that store visit, when you're going to those stores for services, like, you know, online grocery pickup. um, I think that, that seems like it's going the right 
direction. Yeah, the scary part is that it's it's whole, it's maintained. It's not yeah, grow. True. Right? That's the still scary part to me here is I still haven't seen anything from Walmart that talks about grow. Right. Fair Our, enough. Story number two, Bed Bath & Beyond plans to spend $400 million across a few different efforts, remodeling their store base, making them a just better customer experience. Interesting. Improving their digital capabilities and, of course, improving their supply chain as well. They mentioned that they have plans to roll out buy buy online pickup and store to all of their store locations. They also spun off personalizationmall.com to 1-800-Flowers.com for the cool sum of $252 million. And they've said that they're going to reevaluate all the brands under their portfolio, including things like Christmas Tree Shops, World Market, and of course, Bye Bye Baby. The other point that was interesting in their announcement is they also said they would cut inventory. It looked like, depending on who you read, in the range of 10 to 15% as well. Question I have here. If there was a Richter scale in retail, let's call it the OmniTalk Richter scale, with numbers being high, like a good proprietary, Rick- yeah, good Richter scale numbers <laughs> like seven. That means you're fleeing for your life. If Bed Bath and Beyond goes away, where does it register on your OmniTalk re- Richter scale, Carter? Like in terms of the retail industry, just for you as a shopper. Oh, like, I don't. I've never been into one is of these. It like stores. a zero? I've never. Yeah, it's a zero. A- Emma, what is it for you? Maybe like a one, just because I did get most of my like dorm room kind of things that I didn't send to myself at Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah. So, but that's the only like connection that I have to the place. I hated the experience of going in there. Never want to go there again. <laughs> what about you, Anne? You know, this Since is we're an upper age demographic. From yeah, the this two is a hard one for me because I think you know. Do you remember back in 2017 when they opened Beyond in Brooklyn? We went to go check out that. Yeah, show. it was like this, awesome. This concept that Bed Loved Bath and Beyond did, which they merged in one bi- building in like the industry city neighborhood of Brooklyn. They put Bye Bye Baby, World Market. They had um, all their stores kind of in one location, and they were doing some really cool yeah, stuff with like Target, basically. restaurants and uh, demo space and activities and events in that space. I mean, it was really before its time. So, so my question back to you is: if if I am putting it on a Richter scale, is it where this potential for Bed Bath and Beyond is, or is it currently as the Bed Bath and Beyond store exists today? Ooh, you're trying to throw a wrinkle in there. So I'm do it. let's let's do both because I'm, I'm curious what you what you say here. Let's say if it was Bed Bath and Beyond as we know it today, if that just suddenly left, exited the market, how much do you care? Uh, the existing store today zero because I zero think on that, the Richter scale. Yeah, there's oh, wow, I'm not that low with with Amazon being carrying all these products, getting them to you fast, and making returns and trial for almost every single thing that's in their catalog, which is likely less expensive on Amazon also because you have more visibility to more provi- retailers. Um, there is no reason for Bed Bath and Beyond right now. Okay, what a, what about like this vision that you have? Putting four places all in one location, like the Beyond concept, I there's some there's some potential there. I think you are now giving people reason to go to a physical space where they can accomplish more things in one place. Yeah, it's another one. It's an upscale one shop, one stop shop. Yeah, it's like a department store of home goods and baby and home products all in one space. There's right. multiple. You can get a lot done. Yeah, the only thing they don't have is food. 
base essentially in that concept store you're talking about. So where does that, that register? Like yeah. on one to ten, where is that for you on the Richter scale? Oh, I think that has a lot of possibility. I would put it at like a six or seven. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm, like I'm with you too. I think for me, like I'm more with Emma. Like I think still for college, maybe wedding, like Bed Bath and Beyond going away could be hard for some people, but it's I'm probably like a two. I still think that cost that concept is awesome. The problem is you can't change the Bed Bath and Beyond fleet to mm-hmm. that. The footprints just aren't big enough for that to work. So it's it's a it's a tough challenge. I I would counter that. I mean, I think okay. I think you think you, you can fit that into the box. I do. I think you have those bed bath but boxes are giant. And if you think about what people truly need to go see in the physical store, can you consolidate that physical footprint to be maybe like you know if you really need to feel the difference between a three hundred thread count sheet and a fifteen hundred thread count sheet, or like what what are the ways that you can offer those same experiences? I mean, the rest of it is all a you know just warehouses full of packages of sheets and other crap. Like it's not there's no experience there. So if they really put experience first, I don't think you need the full footprint, and that allows for you to put other things in that space like stroller testing or other stuff from Bye Bye Baby or World Market that you maybe do want to see first but yeah i don't know i think it's possible it's doable that's why this is kind of an exciting thing for me i worry a little bit about you know when they talk about the investments in stores it digital projects and supply chains that the proportion of money that's going to go to things and that you're talking about is way too small i think if this was 2001 they said they're going to look at investing into it and digital projects that would be great but welcome to 2020 this should have been done 20 years ago (laughs) and ultimately if you're really in that big of trouble you should be looking at completely transforming the experience and the way what you do fundamentally as you're describing, rather than saying, hey, we're going to put some more money in an inf- yeah. or a dysfunctional or inefficient IT team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right, Carter. Like, they're not saying the things you're saying. Like, no. I, if you read this, I mean, and the other part about this too, Carter, which I think is laid in in your point is, this crap's going to take a long time. Yeah, Totally. You're it's not, not doing a quick this change. No. no. And that's if it works. You know, like you, you talk about, yeah, let's roll out buy online, pick up and store. Okay, that's fine. Well, we just did a podcast on, on some of the complexities of that, but uh, with, a, with, a, with another company. But like, okay, architecturally, what changes does that mean to have? What yeah. operational changes do you need to have? Like you, you're trying to, there's a lot of building the plane while the plane is fly, flying in this announcement. And it, it's a year and a half to two years out for you to even see the fruits of this work. I just totally, I hope they have enough time. All right, well, let's keep it rolling. Pier one. Emma, story number three, Pier 1. Pier 1 Imports declares bankruptcy. This happened on Monday in a move aimed at facilitating a sale of the struggling home furnishings company. It also reiterated a previously announced plan to cut about 40% of headquarters staff and close as many as 450 stores, which is, in other words, about half of the chain's locations. Are we bringing back the Richter scale for this one? Yeah, what do you think on this one? (laughs) No, that's why I created the Richter scale, because I knew we had both these stories today. What do you think? If this goes away, how much do you care? Going with a zero. Zero? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for zero. sure. I'm surprised <laughs> that there still are as many stores as there are across the country. I think it's a really interesting way to look at the industry, like asking that question. Like, if it went away, how much would it impact your life? Carter, what about you? It doesn't matter. I mean, zero, again, right? Zero, yeah. <laughs> it's I have no affinity towards this. The other lesson here is, like, again, why was Pier 1 successful? This is my opinion. But why was Pier 1 successful? Well, at the time, especially in the 80s, and I remember my dad, God God bless his his soul, he used to love this store. This was like the early 80s. And I was like a little no kid, six years way. old. Oh, yeah. He would drag my ass into this store all the time. 
And the reason it worked is it was like the only place you could get like globalish inspired furniture. Okay. And so therefore it was convenient. It was where you went. But then once the internet came, like you can get that crap anywhere. Yeah. And you could get it for cheap on Target, Walmart. And the last place I would ever want to bring a child. That is like a walking insurance settlement. Like uh, you could just touch something and towers come toppling down. It was a lot nicer back then too. I felt like at least in my childhood memory. But like. Yeah, but like it just shows you like if you don't have a reason for people to go there. Right. Like you're going to get hit, especially if you're trying to command high price points, probably higher than you deserve for that operation. It's not going to work. You got to have the reason for being. And that's why I think the question's inherently interesting because all of us just said it's a zero. Well, look at the other like comps that have come into the market since then too. You have home goods that wasn't really around yeah. then. And you have, you know, a lot of people getting into that off price home space at right. home is adding more stores. Like it's just too competitive right now. Sorry, Pier One. No sense beating the dead horse dun, any further, dun, literally. Dun. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. We'll move on to story number four. Maybe we'll revive that dead horse with. Amazon Care. That's right. So according to the Seattle Times, came out early this morning, Amazon has launched a pilot program to administer healthcare services to many of its nearly, that's right, 54,000 employees that are based in Seattle. So the app, it's an app-based service called Amazon Care, provides on-demand chat and video consultations with medical professionals. So this enables users to schedule in-person visits uh, with clinicians at an office or even at their home. um, And ultimately, payment for the service is routed directly through, what else? Amazon.com. So the story thickens a little bit here, too. Um, Amazon Care clinicians are, are currently employed by Oasis Medical Group which Amazon describes as a medical practice licensed in Washington state. But get this, Oasis does not have a website and its current offices are listed in an Amazon Prime owned building. Mm -hmm. It was founded in 2018 by Dr. Martin Levine, who was taken away from his previous practice and currently on LinkedIn holds the title of medical director. From Amazon with yes. no description. Oh, from Amazon. All right. There yeah. you go. Uh, Amazon Care obviously is limited to their employees and families for now, and it's uh, available for anyone who's enrolled their health plan currently. So uh, this rules out part-time workers, contractors, and the general public, et cetera. Now, we have so much to talk about here. Yes. Right? Can't um, wait. It, 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 there is a lot going on. There's a lot of awesome stuff. There's a lot of really suspicious and interesting things. The writing's on the wall for what this is going to be. But as we all know, if there is an industry to disrupt... It is healthcare. Oh, God, and we yes. knew that Amazon had been working on this. We knew Amazon is in the background working on this. And it was a matter of time before we started to see bubbles come from the depths of the ocean, right? Like we are seeing this actually come to life within Seattle, within its small town of 54,000 trusted test pilots. And not only are they providing this app to connect with a dysfunctional uh, series of doctors or a dysfunctional insurance company, they knew that wasn't going to work. So they bought the rails. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe based on what is listed here um, that the everyone from the doctors, the office visits, everything is controlled by Amazon in some way, shape or form. Even if currently it's o- under the Oasis Medical Group title, mm-hmm. somewhere in the near future, we're going to see a full start to finish Amazon owned healthcare product um, that's going to ultimately completely disrupt the medical industry and will be a part of Prime. That yeah. is a really interesting conjecture. What do you think? I mean, would you? Do, what do you think of this, Anne? Uh, I love it, and yeah. this is Dude, surprising. You're tinfoil hat. I'm total tinfoil hat, but I think healthcare, and we don't get too political on this show, but healthcare needs to be disrupted more than anything. And I mean, just over the course of the last six months, personally, the things that I've seen are absolutely insane. Insane. 
just transparency, yeah. how lack it's of all, everything. It, how everything is handled. So I'm thrilled by this because I do think that this is an area where Amazon can do it better. What's actually most surprising to me about this is also how quickly they did it. So this yeah, started right. in 2018 and like, okay, so we're based in Minneapolis. There's also, in addition to a big retail um, group of people here. There's a lot of healthcare people here. So yeah. in my time, I've done a lot of work with companies locally of, you know, how do you reinvent the clinic experience? How do you make this better? And it has taken years right. for professionals in the healthcare industry to bring something like this to light. And they're still not even there. And in what, two years, Amazon's created their own medical group with this doctor. They're piloting with 54,000 people right now. Like it's just, it, if anyone can do it, they can. So I'm putting all my faith in Jeff Bezos and Amazon Healthcare, and please, please work. And that's th- all. This is a lot of these thoughts are not original. I, I think a lot of strategists have speculated this for a really long right. time. But the idea of speed is something that Amazon has been able to bring to every single piece of innovation they've brought to life. Like, I mean, we just talked about yesterday something closer to home. But you know, the Amazon Go stores—they were able to get some incredible infrastructure up and running really, really fast. Yes. Now, how that's developed, we talk about a lot. But point being, they have unlimited capital, unlimited talent, unlimited technology. Like, there's no reason they shouldn't be spinning this type of stuff up. Is it mind blowing? Heck yeah. They're going to completely disrupt and innovate within the like oldest, most molasses, you know, slow evolving industry in the world that some of the best, most talented people haven't been able to figure out in the last 50 years. But if anyone can do it, it's Amazon. I think the speed that this is going to come to fruition for the general public will also be incredible. The speed, the speed point is really good. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy to think of how fast they did this when they first made that announcement. Carter, to your point too, like why haven't other people even tried something that feels like this? No one's gotten close. Emma, I do want to bring in your your perspective here, though, as the resident youngest member of the group. Like, any fears at all about this, or would you sign up for this wholeheartedly? Like, it sounds like the three of us would. Well, it's funny because for the past few d- years, my dad has been convinced that Amazon is going to take over the world and like the economy is going to crash and we're all just going to die. And <laughs> very optimistic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but. So I obviously think like the healthcare industry needs to change and be disrupted. And listening to you guys talk, I'm a little bit more convinced that like, yes, Amazon really has the power to do it. But when I first read it, I was like, oh, my God, my dad was right. Amazon <laughs> is going to take over the world. They're going to do healthcare. They're going to do everything. So would that make you less inclined to sign up for it? Um, I'll answer that once I get kicked off of my parents. Oh, <laughs> Here's the thing. It's it's how it's going to be bundled and how ultimately it's going to take on a hard portion of our life, right? I mean, yes. being part of Prime. Being... Quick point of clarification, though. It's not for their part-time employees or warehouse workers mm-hmm. yet who are on the um, – it's only for people who are on Amazon's current in healthcare Seattle. plan yeah. in Seattle. Yeah. So, Still but, piloting phase. Yeah. But even more reason for Amazon to push this further to be able to – like their whole goal behind this is optimization of time for their employees and for – the rest of humankind. And so if they can create a better, more um, optimized experience for their own employees, they it's, I mean, yeah, I don't know. If I had a, if I had an Amazon like friction free way to virtual chat with my doctor, my fear is I'd be on it every day. Oh God! Yes. Oh my God! I'd probably be the most cost ineffective patient for he anyone. Would, yeah, for but sure be. I mean, I'm sorry, but look at they would probably rather have that than you to wait six months to go in and realize that something was actually horrible and you haven't been to be hospitalized. You or haven't have seen him WebMD. Well, and, you, uh, and also just... probably better better to go virtual chat with the doctor than make everyone else in my office unproductive by listening to. 
I just know that that about what the hell is wrong with I know me? that side of the table goes to the doctor a lot more than this side. So you guys all trust Ooh, with what you're saying. Burn. All right, Ann, let's get us out of here. All right. Story number five. Ikea becomes the first retailer to let customers pay using time. What do I mean? Well, let me tell you. Ikea is now letting customers pay for products in an Ikea store with their time. How are they doing this? You need to track the distance it takes you to get to an Ikea store through Google Maps. Once you get to Ikea, mind you, this is just being tested in the Ikea in Dubai. Uh, they You bring your phone with your Google Maps showing the miles you traveled, and that is now going to dictate the price you will be paying for whatever Ikea piece of furniture you decide you want to take home. Carter's dying. Carter, you're in marketing. What do you think of this? Remember, it's the word. This you was g- just so interesting. We had to talk it's about it. It's the word you gave me credit for. Sizzle last week. This is just a press release. And I have to be careful how much I hate on it because it's an advertising agency's dream to have this actually thing come to life. I can see it being uh, written on a whiteboard with a bunch of people in box sweaters like I'm wearing right now and be like, you know what we're going to do? The thing is, it, it it got its purpose. We're talking about it. That's the point. You know, at the end of the day, you could there's fraud written all over this. What's the real point? Like, I get the whole mission of getting people to come further, but at the end of the day, like, this isn't really a piece of retail innovation. I think it is a campaign that's going to gain attention. Interesting. There's a nuance there that I want to hit on though. But before Can't I do, Anne, what what do you think? I mean, this is also called a direct mail coupon. Like you can do this exact thing by giving somebody a coupon and saying For just coming into the store. You're you're in zip code whatever. Okay, that means you traveled this distance and you get fifty percent off or whatever it is. I mean, it's just a gimmick. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Emma, what do you think? Would it get you to go shop? I mean, I was thinking of how like if I started in Russia and drove down there, like how many free things I could get because I just see so many. It'd be a long ass drive too. Yeah, but it'd be a lot of like (laughs) built up currency at IKEA. So Right. How far can you stretch this? What's what's the bounds of the offer? Here's the thing though. There's I think there's a nuance to this, Carter. I'm curious curious as you as you kind of what goes on in your head as I say this, but the thing I don't like about it is even though you're getting press and like, yeah, they, whoever the advertising agency that came up, this will probably get accolades for like, oh, this, you know, this got noticed and we're talking about it or other people are talking about it. But I have a really big problem when you advertise the negative. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I used to buy towels. And at one point in time- Like for yourself or you're talking about for you were Target. the buyer for towels? I was the buyer for towels okay. for Target. Thank you. And I remember I remember one time, I'll never forget this, and I, one of my mentors, who was my boss at the time, um, I thought about advertising quick dry towels. And he made a really good point to me. He's like, Chris, why would the hell would you ever call one of your towels a quick dry towel? And I said, well, because it dries really fast. And he's like, if your customer sees that on one towel- that automatically implies that all the other towels don't dry quickly. That's not a good thing to do. And so in this advertising scheme, like the fact that you're advertising, come drive here and we'll give you a discount, you're basically telling your customer, you know what? It generally isn't worth the trip for you to come to an (laughs) Ikea anymore. So we're going to pay you to do it. Right. So you're basically telling them, even though you're trying to get an incentive, the worst thing you're doing is you're actually telling them it's not worth coming to us. Why fight with your partner at home when you could fight at Ikea? <laughs> right. I have no idea what that means, but yes, that, that seems right. Exactly. But 
Like, yeah, so I don't love it. I mean, what do you think of that card? I'm curious. Is there any th- rhyme or reason to what I just said? Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's valid. It wasn't the first thing that came to my mind when I was when I was analyzing it. I, I, I think you're right. Thing. It's a subconscious thing. It's, it's um, yeah, I you know, and I, I ultimately don't think that the people who are close and who are average visitors aren't going to be affected by the campaign. They're not going to be negatively affected by it. But I think just the, even like the way that you redeem this thing is just like, Oh, you're gonna show the cashier right. your Google Maps? Like, so I, it just doesn't work. Like, you know, so and there's just odd things written all over this. Yeah, there's some market specific elements to that whole thing too. But all right, well, awesome show. We got into a lot of it, a lot of meat today. We created the Omni Talk Richter skill out of nowhere. That was kind of a fun one. Fun yeah. stories with Amazon and, and IKEA, especially, and then of course Walmart. A lot of just things happening in retail right now. A lot of big questions that come out from each of the stories each and every week. So. But that wraps us up. As we said, we'll be at Etail West next week. Ann and I, huge thank you to our sponsors as well for that. Sezzle and Stylitics. Without them, we wouldn't be able to make that trip and make it all happen. And we've got some great content coming your way. And help me out here in case I forget anybody. We've got interviews on the docket with ThreadUp, Moosejaw, Poshmark, Third Love, and Dynamic Yield. You got them all. Woo! Stick around for that. It should be an exciting week. And of course, as always, for everyone out there, to everyone out there, I should say, on behalf of everyone in the podcast studio at the Third House Retail Lab in Minneapolis, be careful out there. 